Am I loud enough or not? <laughs> I think you are loud enough. I'm loud enough? Okay. I'm loud enough, I'm smart enough, and darn it, people, <laughs> people like me. <laughs> Senator Al Franken. <laughs> hello. Comic hello. Al Franken. Yes. <laughs> it's great that we have a comic in the Senate now, isn't it? Yes. You know, we have a bunch of clowns out <laughs> we there. We got some finally, clowns. Need some comics, right? Finally Wouldn't a comic. it be great to have someone like, can you imagine having Lenny Bruce in the Senate? Right. <laughs> Speaking truth. Oh, my God. No, that would, no, that would be a shift, wouldn't it? Right. George Carlin. Oh, you know. unbelievable. It, it, Rich, Richard Pryor. Senator Richard Pryor. Oh, the best. <laughs> the greatest of all time. I, you know, I was, you know, watching all the recent, you know, all the political stuff going on during this election. I thought, um, I would love to have Mark Twain and Hunter Thompson alive <laughs> today to report on what's going on. <clears throat> yeah. My, my, my favorite reportage on that was Hunter Thompson's yeah. when he did the uh, uh, Nixon's election, Fear mm -hmm. and Loathing on the Campaign Trail. Yes, yes. Classic. That's, That's the just one book the by him best. I haven't got to yet. I was reading Hell's Angels right they, now. They published good. that in Rolling Stone magazine like as a series. Uh -huh. And uh, every, every issue that would come out, it would have another chapter of that book. Great. Yeah. Great. That was back in the 70s. Yeah. You know. Fear and loathing on the campaign trail. Yeah, I got to put that one class. next. Next oh. on my list of ones to get to. That's as good as it gets right there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, shall we begin? Hlu, Kai, Hlu, Hedran, Hlu. What's this cow all about? <laughs> You're listening to What's This Dow All About? A lighthearted look at Taoism featuring Dr. Carl Totten and Todd Perry. Carl is the founder of the Taoist Institute in North Hollywood, California. Todd Perry knows a little about Taoism and is mainly here because he owns a few microphones. Now, let's learn What's This Dow All About? And welcome back to What's This Dow About? My name is Todd Perry, and with me is ooh, a little coffee belch there. Uh, C. Joe, Dr. Carl Totten. Hello. And we are back. It's great to speak with everybody. Uh, let's see here. On today's show, we're, we're going to do something that I would refer to as me using my old school radio brain and coming up with content for the show, whereas always doing top 10 lists, countdowns, and I worked in radio for a long time, and that was the kind of thing that kept people glued to the radio. What comes next? So I'm going to use my uh, retrograde understanding of media, and uh, we're going to do a top 15 couplets from the Tao Te Ching that I like, and we, I can discuss them with the, the great Dr. Totten here. Uh, and then, let's see here, we've got some listener mail. Uh, responding to our recent show on Lu Dongbin, we're going to get to. Uh, but before we get to that, we have a new uh, little link on the site, which is suggested reading. Uh, we get emails from people asking, what's that translation you use? Or people wanting to kind of further understand, because this show is based at not talking to the scholar on top of the hill about the Tao, talking to the average guy coming into this. So we put up some of the books that we like. Uh, Dr. Totten has a few of his, and I have 
uh, a few that have inspired me. Obviously, this list is going to grow, especially with stuff we bring up on the show. So you can check out that uh, there. I believe it says suggested reading. Great. At whatsthisdow.com. Uh, said, you, don't want, you don't want to see my real list. <laughs> right. It's oh. got hundreds and hundreds of books on it already. Yeah. Well, that's you what don't I, want to see that one. <laughs> yeah, I asked Dr. Totten, I said, could you send me a list of some of this stuff? And he sent me literally a hundred things. And I said, you know, the guy finding out about this is going to shut the webpage down. Goes, I got, you know, overwhelming him. Uh, let's see here. So, uh, and then we had, we got a lot of responses recently when we did a topic on veganism. We got a lot of listener email uh, from that. So I just want to tell everybody, we were, we, to get to all that, we'd have to do three shows on veganism, and that's kind of outside of the scope of our show. But we thank everybody for responding, and there's a lot of really thoughtful ideas, and some people agreeing with us, and some people vociferously disagreeing with us in our, our various uh, points on that. So, again, I think that was it's great when you can have a show that inspires people to change our minds or to, you know, make us think about things in a different way. That's the whole reason we're having this is to have that great dialogue. So to everybody who sent stuff in, we can't get to all of it, but thank you so much for participating in that. Um, so now let us begin with our big topic for the day. Let me go to my notes. We're going to discuss the top 15 <laughs> countdown of my favorite couplets. Now, you know, yeah, verses of the Tao Te Ching, you know, 81 chapters. This, uh, I, I know that if you extrapolate one couplet from a verse, in a certain way, you're kind of losing the context a little bit. But I, I have a copy of the Tao Te Ching annotated by um, Derek Lin, who works at a Taoist temple here, uh, not too far from here in Almonte, California. And I always, I keep his book out on my coffee table, and sometimes at night I'll shut off the TV or whatever, and I'll just sit and I'll read it, and I'll just pick it up and kind of hunt and peck and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, just kind of free flow through the book and see what I see, which, you know, because you get a different perspective on the Tao every time you look at it. Yes. You know, stuff that when I was 20, when I first started reading about it, affected me. Now, uh, you know, I now maybe isn't as effective in things that I never would have considered. You know, this is a new reading every time. So I, I started you know, taking a highlighter and I just go over, okay, remember that, you know, uh, because we were doing this show and I often wish that I could verbatim quote certain things that I, I'm trying to say. And you notice every time I go to say it and I say it incorrectly. <laughs> so I thought, how about I just start highlighting things? And so I can pour through the book, and then they will stick in my mind, and then when it's memorized, it'll become part of my behavior, and it'll improve right. me in general. Because a while back, we a listener wrote in about having uh, arguments on, on social media and stuff. Mm. So, and we kept repeating the, uh, the couplet... Um, it was like, you know, the sage does not argue. You know, the argument... Mm -hmm. See, I don't have it right, you know, about our, but basically about not arguing. And the sage does not argue kept repeating in my mind uh -huh. post that. And I've had situations where I was being goaded into an argument. And just in the back of my mind, that little whisper was That's out <laughs> saying the sage does not argue. And actually, the, the, those who are good do not argue. <laughs> those who argue are not good, right? <laughs> yes. I was literally, I was at a, a, a friend's house where they had like a family member who was known for being a very close-minded person and loves 
to kind of goad people into arguments. And I had seen it, saw the guy there earlier in the day, and I thought, when this man comes up to you and starts in, just smile and nod and be <laughs> gracious. And lo and behold, a couple drinks, and the gentleman comes over and starts poking. Yeah. You know, poking the tiger. That's his role. Yes. And I... To say, you know, those who argue are not good. <laughs> and I just smiled and nodded and had a p- very pleasant interaction yeah, with him. Very good. So I refused yeah. to take the bait, but it was because it was fresh in my mind. Yes. And these things don't come at you while you're doing the show. You know, they, they, they come at you when you're not paying attention, you know, uh, to you're, when, when being your best self is not necessarily top of mind. You're just kind of being you, you know. So to memorize these things are great. So I started highlighting things, and then I figured, how about I order them and just discuss them with you and okay. the audience. And Very good. We can go over it. So these are from, this is actually from a translation by Derek Lynn. So mm-hmm. it's going to be a little different than the Jane English stuff we normally use on the show because uh, that was just a book I was working with, and I, I quite like his translations because he is kind of Chinese, and he is a kind of a Chinese scholar. So he kind of brings his own unique take on them. Uh, number 15. Thus then, which is hard and stiff is the follower of death. That which is soft and yielding is the follower of life. Mm. Number 14. Those who have etiquette are a thin shell of loyalty and sincerity. And reading that, I, I think about, it's kind of, learned manners versus going with the natural way of treating people. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, learning how to sit down and have dinner from a woman that's going to put a book on your head and make sure you, <laughs> you stand tall like they used to do to women back in the day. <laughs> and that type of politeness isn't necessarily a genuine politeness. Mm-hmm. It doesn't come from an actual affinity for the human condition. It comes from training by rote right? and not, you right. know, and I think uh, we know a lot of things in this world. You know, there, there's so many uh, uh, traditions. There are cultural traditions. There are national traditions. There are familial uh, traditions. There are ancestral traditions. Mm-hmm. And some of them, they've been around a long time. doesn't make them right, right? right. <laughs> right. <laughs> they've just been around a long time uh, because they're, they become rigid and, and uh, kind of codified to be part of what prescribes and prescribes behavior. And then we don't even realize we're adhering to them, and they could be completely useless. Right. It was that uh, Woody Allen once said, uh, tradition is here to promote the illusion of permanence. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think of that sometimes, and maybe, and, and, and those things are hard to get past sometimes with other people, because, again, this is these role, it's, it's a performance, not a genuine etiquette or care for their fellow man mm-hmm. it's almost like uh, i don't know I, I always refer back to this there's a scene in apocalypse now redo when they re-edited together apocalypse yes. now um and there's this scene where you know they're, they're going through the jungle and they run across this french plantation that is in vietnam from way back when it was colonialized and these people had these perfect manners, and they spoke perfectly, and they were going through these rituals and routines they knew for generations in the middle of a war in zone. In the midst of this chaos, right? Right. And they just kept, I mean, maybe it was a survival thing. It actually helped them to have these rigid things, but it's so funny. But that's how I see sometimes the, the place of these 
rituals and etiquettes that are really out of place many times. And I really think that's one of the things I really like about the, the Tao is that it, it causes us to reassess that. Because mm-hmm. the Tao is all about what? Doing what comes naturally right. for each person. And something that's been around for generations, maybe hundreds of years, you know, prescribing behavior, that uh, doesn't sound terribly natural to me. <laughs> no, no. It's, it's that kind of uh, mild anarchy that the Tao pushes yes. us towards. Yes. Uh, it's, it's, it's almost like when, when the, the Tao in a certain way, it's like watching a Marx Brothers film <laughs> where you'll have the, you know, the woman clutching her pearls while Groucho Marx walks into the room and kind of finds all of the hypocrisy and contradictions in the room. You know, I think the Tao shines a light like that in certain sectors of the world. So I love that chapter, that couplet. Number 13 is a little more somber. Victory in war should be treated as a funeral. Hmm. Because that's what victory in war is, isn't it? Yes. You know, how many people died? You know. mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the, the human condition is um, interesting and often depressing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Take a look, just a casual look around the world right now. How many wars are going on? 40, 45, something like that. Yeah. There's wars going on that we literally don't even know are right. going on. But yeah. they're there, believe me. And there are people suffering and dying. Why? Very often it's because of some uh, allegiance or adherence to some doctrine. Right. Usually, in fact, I'd say it's that. Always, yeah. Uh, and so... And we were talking uh, about... Uh, I'm sorry to cut you off, but we were talking about the, number, the 14 one I had about that etiquette and these mm-hmm. ideas we adhere to that are completely unnecessary at a certain point and people die for them. Yeah, and, and they're, they're not life-promoting. They're certainly not compassion-promoting. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why I think we're really here. We know we're here to help each other, mm-hmm. you know, to live a fulfilled and fruitful life. Yeah. And to find the, 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 the nectar of existence, if you would. And instead, what do we get all too often? I, I said, I dare you to look at the 6 o'clock news. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because uh, you're going to be assaulted with story after story about death and disaster. We know the media, if it bleeds, it leads, right? Oh, yes. We know that. Oh, yes. and, uh, but there's so many other great things happening in the world that are never reported. No. It's a funny thing. The other day I was on Facebook, I posted an astonishing fact that I found. And again, if it bleeds, it leads on the news. And that, not to make light of the fact that it was something like 500,000 people on the planet die every year. Current, like in 2015, I think it was, from battles and conflict in the world and terrorism. Hmm. 500,000. Now, earlier in the uh, century, you had like 20 million people dying per year during mm-hmm. world wars. You had wars in the 70s, which were terrible, wars in the 80s, you know, in Central America, Asia, things like that. And actually, of in human kind of recorded history that we know about, because, mm-hmm. you know, you, you keep going further in the past and there's more brutality <laughs> and colonialism and the yes. Crusades, and this has been going on for years. Now, actually, we've come to a point at this time when the amount of people dying due to war and battle is at an all-time low per capita. Right. But you wouldn't know that. You wouldn't know that. <laughs> you wouldn't know that at all. And, you know, you have politicians out there saying, you know, this is a time when, you know, the world is in chaos and all this. And actually, uh, we are the, at the most peaceful point 
and prosperous uh, time, which is another thing I read recently, in human, known kind of human history. Mm. Also, there was an, and you wouldn't see it on the news. <laughs> Look, you know, they never report who didn't die today. <laughs> no. That guy didn't make the news, right? No, no. And there was another thing I read that was incredible that was in 1990, 37% of the world lived in uh, like abject poverty. Like mm. they lived in, you know, severe poverty. 37% of the world. Today, 10% of the world lives in severe poverty. Mm. And that's amazing because, you know, globalization, things like this, you know, the fall of communism and all this kind of thing. Um, the world actually is a much better place almost to this growing global economy. And all these people have greater lives and, you know, to, to, and then also at the same time, these, these ideas come together because when countries trade together, when they do business together, they tend not to war with each other. Right. If I'm trading with my neighbor and we have this great relationship, I'm not going to go stab my neighbor. <laughs> he gives me sugar and then I give him flour, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's this amazing thing that they won't tell you. You know, obviously, <laughs> there's still poverty in the world. There's still war. There's still all these things. But for a moment, humanity should say, look, we're doing it. At least we're doing it better than we have. <laughs> for yeah. I know people have advocated. We need the good news, right? Yeah. <laughs> we need the good news out there. But... Uh, the the good news uh, for a lot of the corporate interests doesn't sell. No, not <laughs> they, at all. They can make a lot of money off of bad news. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because I work in you know one of my one of my many jobs as a writer is I write for a like a progressive news site, and we we write and it's called Good, hmm. and so we write lots of stories about what's good in the world, and it's kind of funny. <laughs> the better the news, the less clicks. <laughs> Whenever I write about bad news, it gets shared much more often. It gets, you know. Yeah, well, I think the problem is that, you know, we've become uh, addicted to suffering mm. and uh, pain and violence. You know, we, 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 there's, there's a part of our psyche now that, uh, that seems to uh, be attracted uh, to that. And if it's something that, oh, this wonderful thing happened, oh, oh well, you know, so what? <laughs> right, right. You know, whereas me, whenever I see those type of stories, I go, great, wonderful, that's terrific. Let me share it. Yeah, yeah. that's what I share. Right. Yeah, the great things that are happening. Yes, you do. Yeah. So, you know, I think we need a, uh, we need a remake. <laughs> right. We need a redo of our awareness and consciousness. Yes, that's part of that unity consciousness you're always yes. talking about. Yes. Also, one more thing on this. Um, there is a segment of American society where people really get a rise off us kicking other countries' butt. Yep. There is a mentality. It was kind of like, you know, uh, previously, you know, when the, the big war in Iraq and everything, when that was going on and you saw these bombs going off and this terrible destruction happening. And, pe and it, I, there was a definite current of people that were cheering on this kind of destruction. You have that kind of, uh, they call it the America F yeah mentality. Mm -hmm. And that all this death and destruction and winning wars and stuff, and a lot of people... It's kind of a really negative part of the national character. Yes. But there are many that celebrate it and cherish it and almost lick their chops at the idea of blowing people mm -hmm. up and going to war. And instead of having a sober mind where, you know, you know even quote-unquote victory in war should be treated as a funeral, you know, and mm -hmm. to say that we should even be having war and to begin with is another discussion. But 
you know, you know, you know I like what the Dalai Lama said recently. You know, he he said. Um, War is obsolete. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. It is obsolete. It should be, yes. Be because, you know, if, if I hurt your family over whatever cause, then you're going to want to come back and do something to me, and then I'm going to do something to you. And See, that goes on and on and on forever, mm -hmm. forever. And all you have is a lot of funerals. Yes. And uh, that is not the way. <laughs> it no. is not the way. It really isn't. No. All right, now that we have number 12, and this one's kind of mysterious, so. Uh, that which has no substance enters into that which has no openings. Hmm. That which has no substance enters into that which has no openings. And it, uh, to me, I see that kind of as foraging away, that um, I think there's what you know and what I know about life, when new information comes in, it filters through this hive of understanding we already have. Right? Mm -hmm. And that which has no entry point into that hive of understanding, we either try to create a new way to interpret it or understand it or open ourselves up to it. Yeah, well, you try to fill it with something. Yeah. You know, when you have a vacuum, then what does the vacuum tend to do? <laughs> it tends to fill. Right. right. It tends to be filled. Sucks in that, yeah. Yeah. And and paradoxically, see, it's all paradoxical, right? Yes. Of course. Paradoxically, I think people whose minds are, are the most closed and the most rigid and the most uh, uh, opinionated, uh, obviously they aren't open to new uh, information. Yeah. Instead, what do they attract? The things that already resonate with their biases. Yes, yes. <laughs> and that's what it's filled with. See, the, in other words, the, th those are the things which, in my mind, have no substance. <laughs> yes. I, you know, I love it. There was a saying that I just love uh, that was by a guy named Colin Cowherd, who's a ESPN sports guy. And he does a great job at taking sports uh, that are going on stories in sports, but translating them into kind of a greater, what does this mean? about society. Yes. What does this mean about people? So it's not just the scores. Yes. What's the story beneath that? And, and kind of uncovering that deeper level to sports. And uh, he said something great, and he goes, you know, there's... You know, to backtrack a little bit. It's always whenever people say there's two kinds of people, I always think, oh, that's BS. But Because there's more than two kinds of people. <laughs> but it really, in, in reality, there are kind of two types of people. And there are people who want to be right and people who want to get it right. Mm. People who want to be right are those that are walking around with their own kind of hardened ideas of mm -hmm. life and their hardened consciousness and their hardened biases towards the world that they believe is correct or that they want, more or less, the world they want to see versus the one that exists because right. they have a hardened mind. And uh, as we know, that which is stiff and hard is the follower of death. Yes. And that which is yielding is the follower of mm -hmm. life. We said there's those that want to be right those people and those that want to get it right. Those, I feel the Taoist is one who wants to get it right. right. One that's constantly challenging their own thoughts about the world and assertions mm -hmm. versus one that's trying to square peg round hole <laughs> in their own brain. You know, and who says, who says we ever have to arrive at something where we have a st steadfast opinion on anything? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. We, we don't need to. No. And in fact, the world is changing so rapidly, it's almost impossible, right. really. Yeah. And so here we are trying to accomplish the impossible, right? Right. Yeah. No, this is exactly how things are. <laughs> and it's my way or the highway. Right. right. And uh, yeah, and how is that working for you lately? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it tends to be that those people you see with the most hardened viewpoints of life tend to be the less, uh, least happy. Yeah, I know. I know. And uh, in, in fact, uh, I'm, I'm looking at the, our listener mail that coming out. That's yet. We have some interesting, we always get interesting listener mail. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Let's see here. Yeah, we can, we can get, when we get to this, we can jump over to the one we had from J- Jerome, which is very good. Um, let's see here. Plan difficult tasks through the simplest tasks. Achieve large tasks through the smallest tasks. And I think that goes along with the, the journey of a thousand miles, begins with the first step or begins beneath the feet, depending on the translation, which the, the idea, like, whenever you have a creative undertaking, like right now we're, we're working on this book about, the, about what we've been talking about on the show, this thing called the Tao. And if we were to sit and look at it its entirety, or like any writing project, you, you type that first word, and you go, oh, there's a lot of words in this. <laughs> but if you just get through that first 10 pages, get through the next 20 mm-hmm. pages, and you see mm-hmm. the small steps, and eventually... The journey of a thousand miles begins with that first step. Yes. Right. <laughs> and any great way to go into changing the world begins with one idea, one thought, one simple thing. Also, things are interconnected. Yes. And so if... Uh, if you have, you know, the, and you know the old thing, like say, a, a, one picture is worth a thousand words, right? Mm-hmm. And then I, I've also heard it said that hmm, one symbol might be worth a thousand pictures, right? Right. So you look at something like the yin and yang symbol. Yeah. It's very simple, but yet that connects with and helps reflect the totality of everything in the entire universe yes. <laughs> with something with one symbol. Right. You know? See, so if you hit on something that's universal like that, you don't need a lot of words. No. You may just need a symbol right. that everybody can relate to. You're right. You see, because it has universal uh, import yeah. and uh, it, it, everybody can feel it. Right. And everybody, therefore, can re- respond and relate to it. Yes. And, uh, and I think that's a lot of what, La- what Lao Tzu was trying to do. He was, he was trying to hit on these universals that covered all of humanity's um, experience. Right. And as we know, it's lasted 2,500 years and is the second most widely translated book in the world after yeah. the Bible. So right. yeah, obviously it's, it's striking a nerve. <laughs> right. It's very funny when we, we'll get, uh, and, and, and I'll think about this too in my life, I'll think of kind of some modern issue and I think, what would the Tao say about that? And it's very interesting because, because it was written with such a universal perspective, mm-hmm. it applies beautifully to things that we normally deal with. And but but it's kind of funny when you ask specifically, like, what would the Tao think about tax rates, you know, or whatever, <laughs> some but you know kind of thing that people discuss, you know, in the modern time. And part of me, you know, wants to just laugh, but then Lao Tzu would probably say that there's something in there that's going to address mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that we can look at. Um, in fact, I think it's a lot of our listener mail is really is yeah. asking that very question. That's right. <laughs> you know, so I figured because we have some listener mail on the show, and these 
kind of ideas are so kind of deep and big that I'm gonna I'm gonna take us down to maybe go up to leave five and we'll do the the, the, the next five on the next show. Yeah. Okay. So we'll do we'll do five more here and then we'll get to, we'll kind of back off that and then it'll be like a teaser. Another another radio gimmick. Come back next week and we'll really give you the answer. You know, um, number ten is one we we were discussing earlier today that those who are good do not debate, and those who debate are not good. Number nine, because it does not contend, therefore it is beyond reproach. And it brings up the fact that if there are Two disagreeing ideas. Almost like the last one about the arguing and quarreling. Yeah. <laughs> Just because they're two different ideas doesn't need to we we need to approach them with contention. Mm-hmm. We can approach them with dialogue, with understanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because two forces, even beyond the idea of back and forth people talking, because there are two oppositional forces out there in nature, out there in the physical world, it doesn't mean that they need to quarrel. It doesn't need that they need to butt heads. Uh, there, there can be, you know, a, a finding of harmony in this. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, uh, you know, people's ideas about anything, you know, they, they, have, uh, they are attached to something that has been working for them, or at least apparently are working for, yeah. for them. And, but then the ego part of the consciousness wants to impose that on other people's right. way of life, uh, which may not be appropriate for them at all. Because the Tao is about finding your own inner nature, mm-hmm. aligning that with the greater nature uh, of, the, of, of, the, of the world, and living in harmony with that. Yeah. Not taking the way that you perceive things and imposing that on other people. Right, yeah. yeah. But the, the Tao yeah, says... That's what we see. <laughs> yeah, the Tao says do the opposite. Yeah. You know? Um, number eight, and this is very similar to what we were just talking about. It's always great how these things always bleed together. This, <laughs> this kind of common, the Tao, this kind of common thread between everything yes. links it all together so nicely. Um, or that, it's me, just me projecting because these were things that appealed <laughs> to me in the book, right? Um, when there are many restrictions in the world, the people become more impoverished. So that's, again, that's if there's some kind of authority telling people how to behave, how to act, how, you know, how how to live in this world, then the people will be stunted. Yes. Um, In fact, a lot of the Tao Te Ching was really Lao Tzu's commentary to uh, rulers, to kings, mm-hmm. to emperors. And his, num- his sage advice was what? Back off. <laughs> Back off. Right. Leave them alone. Yeah. You know, give them what they need in order to have a good life and then just back off. Right. <laughs> Let people do what they're going to do. It's kind of a... It's... In fact, the, le- the, the least obvious ruler he thought was the best. Yeah. You know, you know they, they say, hey, we, we're getting everything we need. We have a lot of uh, food, and the crops are good, and, and the water is flowing, and people are getting along, and there's peace and harmony. How's that happen? Right. <laughs> what if God was one of us? He's just walking around. Yeah, it was funny. And I was looking for that kind of in the modern world where we're dealing mm. with lo- rulers and stuff, and, and I was, I, I love, obviously, love... Uh, talking about philosophy and different ways of viewing life. And I was watching, uh, there was the guy running for president, Gary Johnson, speak. And Gary Johnson, his libertarian perspective is very kind of 
close to the Tao in the way he's saying, I, I don't want the government telling people how to live their lives. I don't want the government telling people they can't, you know, do drugs. I don't want the government telling people how to protect themselves. You know, he goes, I just want people to have, you know, commerce with each other and live life of complete freedom. And I don't want the government telling other countries what to do. I don't want us going to war. And I had this real message of mm-hmm. peace and just, you know, that let everybody naturally work together. And I said, oh, this is very Taoist. Then they started talking about, like, education. It was like, eh, well, we don't really care about education. Like, oh, no, you had me. You had me to the, the environment. Well, let people do what they want Let to them do. do what they want, right? Yeah, you see, th- see, that's not taking responsibility for things as they are. <laughs> no. And also human nature, you know. You can't yeah. say, oh, you know, just let people discriminate against each other. You know, who cares? Well, right. well <laughs> we care. They care. Right. <laughs> You're going to have blood in the streets. <laughs> so, yeah, about 20 minutes in, I was yeah, like, this you know, this is it. And then I was like, oh, it's, no. it's like the fun. It's like, you know, there was an old hippie saying back in the 60s, which is, where are you coming from? <laughs> yeah. Where are you coming from? Now, if you're coming from whatever kind of political or uh, philosophical uh, treatise that I'm espousing, if I'm coming from, oh, the the, the bottom line is um, justice and rights and freedom and essentially compassion for everyone, yeah. then, you know, what's going to fall, you know, the fruit that are going to fall from that tree will probably be nice and ripe. <laughs> right, yeah. But if, but if the base is selfishness, you know, yeah. yeah, yeah, leave me alone so I can be selfish and not help anybody, right. and I'll get mine, and the heck with you. Yeah. See, then some of the things that may kind of, like you said, superficially sound okay, you go a little deeper, it doesn't work. Right. Oh, yeah. It doesn't work. Right. Because we're all in this together. Yes. And so if, if the bottom line isn't love and compassion, unity, consciousness, right. Uh, it's flawed. Right. Yeah. No, I I agree. (laughs) I agree. So, you know, the perfect ruler would have an understanding of letting people do what they want to do and not not being oppressive or anything like that, but on the same time, have a level of compassion in the world that's necessary for the survival of man. Yeah, that perfect leader has to have a good heart. (laughs) Let's see here. So number seven, we have... The five colors, and we've discussed this on the show before, Mm -hmm. the five colors make one blind in the eyes. The five sounds make one deaf in the ears. The five flavors make one tasteless in the mouth. Mm. And as somebody who loves hot sauce (laughs) and hot food, uh, I agree because now I can't taste anything (laughs) unless there's hot sauce on it. Uh, But that's so so true. And this is very true for uh, art in a certain way. If you look at movies these days, not to sound like an old man, but lots of movies because of technology, we can create these amazing visual effects, mm-hmm. but then the whole movie is just a visual effect. Right. I saw one like that recently, in <laughs> fact. <laughs> it was just all CGI, just blasting, scene after scene after scene. After a while, it, it lost its effectiveness, I felt, yeah. because uh, you, you lose all the nuance, right? It's just yeah. You're just being blasted by uh, the, your senses being completely overwhelmed. Yeah, and after about 20 minutes of that, it's 
That's enough. And yeah. after two hours of that, it's really enough. <laughs> yeah, and then then you're watching dispassionately, and every every movie these days ends up with like some big urban landscape exploding and buildings falling. Some would say it's a Jungian subconscious reaction to 9/11 that we all saw these this kind of destruction and terror, and then now every time we see it, we're replaying it, you know. But yeah, and and you go and you're just like, now I'm wiped out. But you see a movie like Jaws, where they hide the shark. Mm-hmm. You know, they you see a little bit of the shark here, and it's very scary because of that. Or Psycho, you have this right. slow build and tension. Right. Hitchcock was the master of that. Yes, wasn't he? <laughs> yes. But you see that versus just everything, just in your face, loud, yeah. exploding. Yeah, now this screaming. one hits you over the head. <laughs> yeah. And I don't, I don't know. There's no the subtlety has uh, gone. It's gone. Yeah. It's, well, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, with music, if it's just <laughs> like that, after a while, it's a bit much, you know, you need peaks and valleys. Yeah. yeah. And, and let's see here. Uh, number six. It's the last one we'll get to, and then we'll do five in the next show. The sages have no constant mind. And that's something we were discussing earlier, where, the, again, they don't have the rigid I- ideas or really rig- rigid beliefs. They're rigid in their belief in lack of constancy you know? <laughs> because every moment is different mm-hmm. and so if you have a, a preconcept const, kind of constant mind you know that has already decided exactly what how, how things are going to present then there's there's no there's no room for anything new mm-hmm. there's no room for change which as we know is the the true constant yeah. is that everything changes every moment and so, the, I think that's one of the difficult things about the Tao. In fact, is that on one hand, we have to be, we need to feel rooted, grounded, connected to uh, ourselves and our, our own inner nature, and connected with the earth. And there are some patterns, you know, that repeat. But at the same time, we have to be completely open to, to the spontaneity of constant change. Right. And holding those two together, yin and yang, are, are, are not necessarily easy for people. No, no, it's very difficult. One of the reasons for this show really is to, is to muse on these topics and to come up with some uh, ideas, some strategies, some exercises, some ways of looking at things that, that might help. Yeah. That might help folks. Let's see here. All right, I'm checking out our time here and figure out uh, what are we going to do here. Uh, all right, let's go to our listener mail real quick. So we have, uh, we talked about Lu Dong Bin about, about two the, shows ago. Mm-hmm, the Taoist Immortal. Taoist Immortal. And one of the great, there was the 10 kind of, um, the, the, the 10 kind of, what do you call it, things that he faced uh, in, in order to become an immortal. And one of them was Lu Dong Pin was approached by a very attractive woman, and uh, he, he denied her satisfaction. You know, he, <laughs> He denied his own satisfaction in the face of the beautiful woman, so it showed his amazing control. Hmm. So we get a a listener who uh, was moved by that, and he writes, Thanks for taking my email. I'm a fan of your show. I always got to get that point in. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My question for Dr. Totten addresses the topic of sex. Recently mentioned in show number 23, I hope this is not a subject that is off-putting. One of the trials that Lu Dongbin faced was having a beautiful woman attempt to lure him into a sexual encounter, which he declined. So here's my question. What helped him do that? Was it sheer willpower to overcome his desires? 
Or was he operating on a very different level of consciousness, thereby avoiding desire altogether? I would like to very much have more control in this area, but I seem to be a bit of a sucker for a pretty face. Ah. Uh, any help is appreciated. Thank you so much for everything you do. Best regards, Jerome. <laughs> well, great question, Jerome. I yeah. wrote him, I said, Dear Jerome, thank you for your question. First, of course, it's difficult to judge an immortal by our worldly standards, mm -hmm. uh, but I'll give it a try. Uh, first of all, remembering Lu Tongpen's early history, where he was originally planning on getting married and starting a career in government, but then, you know, his famous dream, he was able to uh, kind of perceive the future, and he saw, uh, yeah, he passed his exams, and he went to, and had this great job and career, and he had this beautiful wife and family, but then... He saw that uh, she betrayed him and other people betrayed him. He lost everything as a result. And then he woke up <laughs> and goes, oh, no, instead I should follow this sage here and try to become a, an enlightened uh, immortal. <laughs> yes. So, you know, was he able to do that? Uh, well, he might indeed have had a higher state of consciousness that led to his decision. But also, you know, in this story, the female in question was a traveler. He didn't know her. He'd only just met. And I think that many Taoists prefer to engage intimately with people that they have an ongoing and deeper connection with, yeah. rather than a one-night stand. Right. <laughs> uh, not because of some moral injunction, necessarily, but just because I think it's more satisfying and meaningful to engage with uh, persons one actually loves mm -hmm. and cares about yeah. and has a meaningful, ongoing connection with. And this was obviously not the case in this example. So Lou might have just passed. Right. <laughs> so, again, I said thank you for your question and for listening to the show. <laughs> and, you know, it's also a thing of earlier in the Yellow Millet Dream, uh, it showed that Lou Dongpin saw kind of into the future and saw that there might be a consequence for this particular interaction. Yes. You know, yes. so it's, it's, it's him kind of harnessing his desires and just being kind of rooted in constancy, as they would say, kind of in the Tao, and knowing that, okay, this is going to lead to kind of suffering down the line. Mm -hmm. This could become a problem. Uh, so therefore, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop it there. And like, it, you know, it's, it goes not just to sex, but that goes to, you know, am I going to spend money on this speaker system? And then I'm not going to have any money for the rest of the week. <laughs> you know, it's kind of a, it's a, almost a more... Or this expensive new car or right. whatever, you know, something material. There are many different temptations. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Look at human history. There's yeah. thousands of them. Yeah. And, and many of them, you know, the, or the attachment to them have, have led to uh, a lot of, down the road, a lot of struggle, a lot of misery, and a lot of unintended consequences. Right. And, uh, in fact, gosh, I mean, the, the, the entire teaching of the Buddha was about that, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, that was his entire message. Yeah. And certainly someone like Lu Tongpin, being a Taoist uh, adept and immortal, uh, would know, would know that. So I, yeah. I, I suspect he just passed because he saw, you know, this, you know, the, this kind of one-night stand, is, it's not going to go anywhere. And it might yeah. lead to untoward consequences. Right. Uh, and, and so I think Taoists, I think, appreciate the, the depth and quality of a, of a relationship mm -hmm. and, as opposed to just a 
something that's very temporary. Yeah, like pa passing pleasure. Yeah, you know. and, and it might, again, have unintended consequences down the road right. that I'm sure someone like Lutong Finn could see. Right. Well, we'd like to thank everybody for listening to What's This Dow About. Thank you so much, Dr. Carl Totten. Thank you. And we will see you next week when we will reveal top five couplets from the Tao Te Ching. So says I. 